is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here on this Friday, March the 3rd, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Podcast. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come on in the city where I folks. I got an action jam packed show. Different time today on the Wise Guys Sports Podcast. Usually, I'm on in the evenings on a Monday or a Friday, but unusual circumstances. So I came on on the afternoon because tonight I'm going to see Creed. So I wanted to get my show out the way early on this Friday and and, and talk some sports. And I want to come on here early because I got to go see Creed 3 tonight. Let me know if anybody went and saw Creed 3 last night. Michael B. Jordan is the star in the new film. Everybody's, I know everybody saw Creed 1 and 2, love Creed 1 and 2. So excited about seeing Creed 3 tonight. Let me know if you want to check out the new movie uh, in theaters today. But it's March 3rd, so it is getting close to the NBA playoffs. And we are at that point of the season where we're going to take it up a notch in the NBA. Teams are trying to contend for the eighth playoff spots in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Teams are trying to position themselves to be a one or two top seed in their respective conferences. So definitely, definitely excited about where we're headed in the NBA. March Madness is close, ladies and gentlemen. It's close to being here. I love this time of year. I love it because basketball is, is, is great this time of year in college and in the NBA. So this is a great time of year, great time to be alive. Call to the show tonight, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular sports topic that you want to discuss on the show tonight, we can talk about it. Tonight, I'm going to talk about Damian Lillard. He dropped 71. I'm also going to talk about Daniel Jones is seeking $45 million per year from the New York Giants. I'm going to dive into that as well. And also later on in the show, Giannis had some interesting comments on Kevin Durant. So I'm going to get into that here in a bit as well. But we begin in the NBA in Los Angeles with the L.A. Lakers as the Lakers, their recent Game came against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Lakers beat the Thunder 123-117 in that game. Dennis Schroeder, he had 26 points, six assists in that game. And Troy Brown, he had 19 points for the Lakers. 
No Anthony Davis, he set out. No LeBron James, he's going to be out for an extended period of time with the foot injury. And there was no Shea Gildress Alexander for the Oklahoma City Thunder as well. So Anthony Davis, he had some interesting comments. This was Anthony Davis recently. He said on the final stretch for the Lakers, quote, each game is a must win for us. Lakers are currently 30 and 33 this season. They are 11th in the Western Conference. They are one game back of the 10th spot in the West. So for those of you who don't know, if you are a 7 through 10 seed in your respective conference, you have to play in the play-in game. So the Lakers are one game back of the play-in game. And according to ESPN's analytics, the Lakers have a 63% chance to make the play-in. So the question here is, can the Lakers make the playoffs with LeBron James now missing extended time? And my answer to that is no. I don't believe the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. And not only do I believe the Lakers will miss the playoffs, I don't believe that the Lakers will even make the play-in. And let me explain why. The main reason why I feel like the Lakers are not going to make the play-in is because I do not believe in Anthony Davis at this point in his career to carry a team. I believe that the best days of Anthony Davis, unfortunately, are behind him. When Anthony Davis was in New Orleans, Anthony Davis was a top 10, arguably top five player in the NBA. I mean, at one point, there were times where I said that Anthony Davis might be the most talented power forward of all time. Yes, more talented than Kevin Garnett. Yes, more talented than even the great Tim Duncan. Because Tim Duncan wasn't the most talented. Tim Duncan was the most fundamental. And he was great at doing all the little things the right way. But I even thought that Anthony Davis was more talented than even Carl Malone. And we saw when he was in New Orleans, Anthony Davis was able to lead the Pelicans to the second round of the playoffs one particular year. I think it was 2018. He led the Pelicans to the second round of the playoffs. Because in that first-round series, he beat Dame and the Portland Trailblazers, and he got to the second round. They lost to the Warriors, but it's the Warriors. But I thought that year, because of Anthony Davis, the Pelicans overachieved, and they were just overmatched by the Warriors. But Anthony Davis, he did everything he could to help the Pelicans in that particular playoff series. And I believe that Anthony Davis at that time Anthony Davis was better than Giannis. Anthony Davis was better than Joel Embiid. Anthony Davis was better than even the Joker. But ever since the Lakers won the championship in the bubble, Anthony Davis has not been the same ever since. He has not been the same player ever since. This year, he's averaging 26 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, two assists per game on 56% shooting from the floor. I know how great Anthony Davis can be, but I don't know if Anthony Davis can play at that high level consistently on a night in and night out basis. 
But the inconsistency is the second part of the equation. The number one reason why I don't believe that the Lakers are going to make the play-in and going are going to miss the playoffs is because of Anthony Davis' inability to be available night in, night out for the Lakers. Best ability is availability. And you have to be reliable if you're going to be dependent upon to carry a basketball team who doesn't have the likes of a LeBron James. And I just don't know if Anthony Davis is going to be healthy enough to carry the Lakers to the play-in. Now, is Anthony Davis capable at being able to do that? I believe he is. But best ability is availability. And he has not played for a significant amount of games for me to believe that he can carry the Lakers to the play-in. So, again, I think he's been inconsistent since the Lakers won a championship in the bubble far as his overall production. But I do believe that Anthony Davis is still a very, very talented basketball player. He has God-given ability that you can't deny. I watched the game the other night against the Dallas Mavericks, and Anthony Davis completely took over that game. The Lakers beat the Mavs. They were down 27 in that game. And Anthony Davis went crazy in the second half. Dropped 30 points against the Dallas Mavericks. Lakers overcame a 27-point deficit because Anthony Davis was significantly better than Luka and Kyrie, and he was the best player on the floor in Dallas Sunday afternoon. But then the Lakers, they played Wednesday night against the Thunder. And, you know, we always get updates before the game on injuries. And so it came out that Anthony Davis was going to miss the game against the, 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 the Thunder. And they played the Grizzlies, I believe, on Tuesday night. And then they played the Thunder Wednesday night. And against the, he played against the Grizzlies. And against the Grizzlies, Anthony Davis, he had 28 points, shot 9 of 19 from the floor, 19 rebounds. I thought he played well against the Grizzlies. But he only had like two or three shot attempts in the first quarter. And I, that made no sense to me because no LeBron James, you would expect Anthony Davis to come out and be aggressive. But he only had like a few shot attempts in the first quarter. And I'm thinking, hey, AD, in order for the Lakers to have a chance to win this game, they need you to be at your all-time best and be aggressive. So in that game, he dropped 28. Following night in Oklahoma City, injury report comes out. Anthony Davis is out for tonight's game. And I was wondering, like, what's wrong with AD? Anthony Davis was healthy. He was healthy enough to play in Wednesday's night's game against the Thunder. But the Lakers held him out for precautionary reasons. And I thought, like, how in the hell are the Lakers going to make the postseason if Anthony Davis is not available for the remaining games that the Lakers have to play? You need Anthony Davis in the lineup for the rest of the season if you're going to make the play-in. Forget about making the playoffs as a top six seed in the tough Western Conference. If you're going to make the play-in, you need Anthony Davis on the floor the remainder of these games for the Lakers the rest of the season. So 
Again, when you talk about whether or not the Lakers are going to make the playoffs, number one, it depends on if Anthony Davis is going to be available because durability has been a problem during his tenure in L.A. And it also depends on if Anthony Davis is going to be aggressive and play at a high level consistently enough for the Lakers to be able to squeeze their way into the play-in. Because when you compare Anthony Davis to his, his counterparts and contemporaries in the NBA, like Joker, like Giannis, like Jordan B, those guys play. And you know what you're going to get on a night-in and night-out basis from Giannis. You know what you're going to get on a night-in and night-out basis from the Joker. Anthony Davis is always a question mark for the Lakers. It's sad, honestly, that at 38, LeBron James is still the undisputed best player on the Lakers team because Anthony Davis has the talent to be a top five all-time great power forward. I mean, the man is sensational, and when he's at his best and he's engaged, I believe that he could be a top five player in the NBA, but that's just not who Anthony Davis is anymore. This was Anthony Davis over a four-game stretch earlier in the season. He was averaging 17 points per game, 15 rebounds per game, shooting 41% shooting from the floor. Not great. This was over a, a four-game stretch at one point in the season. But, again, I think he has to be at his best for the Lakers to even make the play-in. But when it comes to their team overall, they're not as good when LeBron James is not on the floor. And the numbers back it up. With LeBron on the court, the Lakers, they have a plus 3.1 in net rating, which is tied with the Milwaukee Bucks this season. That's with LeBron James on the court. With LeBron James off the court, the Lakers have a minus 6.6 net rating this season. That's worse than the Charlotte Hornets. So that's how valuable LeBron James is to this Lakers basketball team I love the moves that the Lakers made at the trading deadline I really really do I love the trade for D'Angelo Russell I love them bringing in Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt I love them bringing in even Mobamba who's going to help them on the boards going to give them some size on the interior and I actually like Darwin Ham as a head coach I really really do I don't think that Darwin Ham is the reason why the Lakers are currently 30 and 33. I think Darwin Helm is a good NBA coach. And we got to give Rob Palinka, the general manager for the Lakers, we got to give him some credit because he made moves at the trading deadline that's going to help the Lakers compete for a spot in the Western Conference playoffs. Because I thought with the roster that they had prior to the trading deadline, they had no chance in hell at being a playoff team, not even a play-in team. But I thought that the moves that they made were, were very good moves. It's going to come down to whether or not Anthony Davis can play most of these games, if not all of these games, and if he's going to play at a high level. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come out the break, I'm going to discuss... 
the reason why the Packers should get rid of Aaron Rodgers. I'll be right back. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it here on the show. Let's transition to the NFL, and let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. As Aaron Rodgers, earlier this week, he went on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, and he was talking about his darkness retreat that he engaged in last week, and there was a couple quotes from the Aubrey Marcus podcast that Aaron Rodgers had. I want to read some of these quotes. Aaron Rodgers says, quote, this is my life. It's important to me. I'll make a decision soon enough. That's regarding whether or not he's going to play football this year. And he says there's a finality to the decision. He also said at one point in the podcast that it's his life. If people who are in the media don't really want to hear him talk about whether or not he's going to play and talk about the darkness retreat, then they can just tune it out. He said that as well. So everyone knows on the show who watches Wise Guys, who watches my show on a consistent basis. Everyone knows that I am a diehard Packers fan. And I've been a Packers fan since I started watching football. This is nothing new. This is not something, some bandwagon that I just jumped on. No, I've been a Packers fan since I was three years old since I even knew what football was. And immediately, once my mom knew that I was a Packers fan, she bought me Packers trash cans, bought me Packers toothbrushes, Packer towels, Packer covers and blankets. And I was the biggest Brett Favre fan in the world. And I love the green and gold. Been loving the Packers ever since I was three years old. Been a diehard Packers fan. And... You know, once I became a young adult, I watched Aaron Rodgers for many, many years in Green Bay. And all I've ever knew was Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers as the quarterbacks of the Green Bay Packers. That's all I've ever known. But I have basically came to terms with accepting the fact that it's time for the Green Bay Packers to move on from Aaron Rodgers. I believe that Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. The man is a four-time NFL MVP. The man has the best touchdown-to-interception ratio in NFL history. The man won a Super Bowl back in 2010. He won Super Bowl MVP for the Packers, and he is one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time but I am at a crossroads and I have reached a point where I have reached my breaking point with Aaron Rodgers and I am okay with the Green Bay Packers moving on from the great Aaron Rodgers and it took me a long time to get to this point but I am finally finally ready to move on 
from Aaron Rodgers. You look at what Aaron Rodgers was able to do this year. He had one of his worst seasons statistically. This year, he had 26 touchdowns. That was ranked seventh in the NFL. 12 interceptions that was tied for 24th in the NFL. He averaged 217 passing yards per game. That was ranked 11th in the NFL. He averaged 6.8 passing yards per attempt, which was ranked 23rd in the NFL. And he completed 65% of his passes. That was ranked 20th in the NFL. This past season was one of Aaron Rodgers' worst statistical seasons in his career. And the main reason why Aaron Rodgers struggled this year was because he didn't have any chemistry with his young receivers in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. That was the biggest reason why Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers struggled majority of the season before they had that late season surge to try to get into the playoffs. But by then, it was too little too late. Last year, the Kansas City Chiefs, they traded away Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. And everyone was talking about how is Patrick Mahomes going to perform now without having one of the best receivers in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. And Patrick Mahomes, before training camp, he got his receivers together and he built up chemistry with the receivers that the Chiefs had already on their team. So he was dedicated before the season even started. Unlike Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't attend OTAs. Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up until training camp begins. And if you're Aaron Rodgers and you know that you just lost the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams, you would think, knowing that you have these rookie receivers in Watson, in Dobbs, in Toure, you would think Aaron Rodgers would make an effort in the offseason to go and build up chemistry with his young receiving core. But instead, Aaron Rodgers wants to go on the Pat McAfee show weekly and talk about different things on the show. He wants to go out to California and he wants to, to, to go on darkness retreats. And I'm all for meditation. I'm all for people being able to have counseling and therapy and you know, do whatever you need to do to help you be better as a person. Do whatever you need to do. I'm all for it. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you are getting paid $150 million over the next three years, $50 million per season, and you want to get back to another Super Bowl and win your second Super Bowl in your career, you have to go and develop chemistry with your young receiving core in the off season. You can't just show up at training camp in August and expect 
to produce at a high level. And then when the season starts, you want to talk about cutting guys' reps and saying some guys shouldn't play, but yet you're not fully committed as a quarterback to help your football team and your young receivers who are rookies who have tremendous talent. Make no mistake about it. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, they have great talent. I believe they can be a great tandem at the receiver position the same way Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is in Miami. The same way Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are in Cincinnati. That's the same thing that Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs could be for the Green Bay Packers. But they need their Hall of Fame quarterback to be committed in the offseason and develop chemistry so the offense can flow at an all-time high level. The reason why the Packers struggled in the early part of the season all the way through the middle of the season is because they did not have the chemistry necessary for the offense to flow at an all-time high level. That was the biggest reason why the Packers struggled this year. We know with their running game with Aaron Jones, with A.J. Dillon, they have a great running back tandem in the backfield. They can run the football with the likes of the best in the NFL. But the reason why the passing attack was mediocre at best was because Aaron Rodgers didn't have the chemistry that he needed to have with his young receivers. And then he used to get frustrated in games. And I'm like, man, stop it. Stop it. And then he wanted to try to he, he, he wanted to blame everyone else but himself. And I got tired of that. That's the number one reason why I'm, I'm at a breaking point and I'm okay with the Packers moving on from Aaron Rodgers. Another reason why I'm okay with the Packers moving on from Aaron Rodgers is because in the last three seasons, Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field has come up small when the lights were at its brightest and the Packers needed Aaron Rodgers to be great. Let's go back to the 2020 NFC Championship game, shall we? This is Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter in the final game in the last three seasons. 2020 NFC Championship game at Lambeau against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. A game in which Tom Brady threw three interceptions in that game. Fourth quarter, Aaron Rodgers, he goes four of 11 passing, 54 passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, Passer rating was 52.8. Let's go to the 2021 divisional round of the playoffs. This time it was against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Packers were the number one seed in the NFC that year. Aaron Rodgers goes four of seven, 17 passing yards, passer rating 62.2. This is in the fourth quarter at Lambeau Field. And remember, in that game, defensively, the Packers did not give up a single touchdown. Only touchdown that the 49ers had in that game was on a special teams play. Let's go to this previous year. This is week 18 against Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. Fourth quarter of this game, Aaron Rodgers goes two of six passing, 12 passing yards, one interception. His pass rating was 
0.8. So the second main reason why I'm okay with the Packers moving on from Aaron Rodgers is because in big moments, Aaron Rodgers does not live up to the hype, and he folds in the biggest moments. For a while, I tried to deny critics of Aaron Rodgers who said he doesn't play well in big games. I denied it for years because I was a supporter of the Packers and a supporter of Aaron Rodgers. But I cannot continue to deny the facts that continue to come out. So the man is getting paid $50 million per season. This year, I think he's going to get paid $60 million, though. But he signed a $150 million deal over three years in the offseason last year. So he's getting paid all this money. He's not committed in the offseason. And he does not show up in the biggest moments. And he's also a diva. Aaron Rodgers has became more trouble than he's worth. And I believe that the perfect time for the Packers to cut ties with Aaron Rodgers is right now. Let's see what Jordan Love's got. Let's see what Jordan Love's got. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's ready to step in and take on the responsibility of being the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and build that chemistry up with Romeo Dobbs, with Christian Watson, with Aaron Jones, and with A.J. Dillon. This is the time to move on from Aaron Rodgers because you it's just not worth it anymore. It's not worth it. He's more trouble than he's worth, and I love him as a quarterback. He's the greatest quarterback in Packers history. He's a top five quarterback of all time, if you ask me but he's become more trouble than he's worth. He's a diva. He doesn't play well in big games. Not committed in the offseason. So as a Packers fan, I've reached my breaking point with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm tired of this toxic relationship that Aaron Rodgers has with him in the front office. It's toxic. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Giannis' recent comments on Kevin Durant. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it on the show tonight. So let's transition back to the NBA and let's talk about Giannis and his recent comments on Kevin Durant. Take a listen. Kevin Durant, let's go. 
You keep joining super teams to win the NBA title. How about how about we work out together sometime so I can teach you how to carry your own team? Baby, you're one of the best scoring players. <laughs> he, he couldn't even go through with it without a mayor culpa. Israel grade Giannis' performance. So that was Giannis on the Joker and Kevin Durant. He had some interesting comments. Giannis threw some shade at the Joker and KD. When I initially saw these comments from Giannis on this show about Kevin Durant, my initial reaction was Giannis got a lot of nerve. Now, we know when you go on these shows and you're goofing around and you're making jokes and telling jokes and stuff like that, usually they tell you what jokes they want you to make before you even actually go on air to tell the jokes. You already know what's on your script prior to it being aired on live television. So Giannis knew before he made his comments on Kevin Durant and how he always joined super teams and so forth, Giannis already had knew what he was going to say. And for Giannis to go on the show and say that, I think is very, very, very disrespectful. Let me remind Giannis about who the hell Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant. He is a 13-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA Finals MVP, two-time NBA champion. He won an NBA MVP back in 2014, two-time NBA All-Star Game MVP. And for Kevin Durant, this is his stats for his career. Kevin Durant, he averages 27 points per game on 50% shooting from the floor, and the man is one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. You look at what Kevin Durant's been able to do in his career. Kevin Durant, while he was in Oklahoma City, he averaged 27 points per game. That was the best in team history. He follows that up. He goes to Golden State. In Golden State, he is the best player on the best team by far in Golden State. He averaged 26 points per game in Golden State. That's the second in team history. And then he goes to Brooklyn. He averages 29 points per game. That's the first in team history. Kevin Durant is one of the most efficient scorers in NBA history. Kevin Durant is even more efficient than the great Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the NBA. And for Giannis to go on a show and disrespect KD like this, I know Kevin Durant is going to use this as bulletin board material if the Suns and the Bucks meet in the finals again. I know Kevin Durant is fuming seeing what Giannis had to say about him on this particular show. Let me remind Giannis about what happened a few years ago in the NBA playoffs when the Nets and the Bucks faced off against each other in the second round. The Bucks beat the Nets 115 to 111. They won the series four games to three. But in that decisive game seven in Brooklyn, remember, Kyrie Irving was out. 
he shattered his ankle. James Harden was not even 50%. He, he had a bad hamstring in that series. Giannis had Chris Middleton. He had Drew Holiday. And in game seven, Giannis, he had 40 points, shot 15 of 24 from the floor, two of six from three-point range. Kevin Durant, he had 48 points. He shot 17 of 36, four of 11 from three-point range. And if his shoe was a size smaller, the Brooklyn Nets would have beaten the Bucks in regulation because Kevin Durant shot and hit a, a shot that would have gave the Nets a lead over the Bucks in the fourth quarter of Game 7 in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant outplayed Giannis majority of that series, and he didn't have Kyrie Irving. He didn't even have James Harden at 50% or 60%. Giannis had Drew Holiday. Giannis had Chris Middleton. And I need to remind Giannis that he had a bunch of shortcomings in the NBA playoffs prior to winning a championship two years ago. Remember when the Bucks and Giannis flamed out in the NBA playoffs against Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat in the bubble? I remember when that happened. Giannis has had a bunch of shortcomings in the NBA playoffs before he finally broke through two years ago. He's had countless times in the NBA playoffs where he hasn't gotten it done, and he's come up short. And honestly, I thought he got a pass in the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago. The year they won the championship, I thought he got a pass having to play the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals because they weren't ready at that time. They, they weren't a team that was ready to, to, to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. I thought that year of the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young, Collins on that team, I thought they overachieved getting to the NBA final, to the, to, to the conference finals. They overachieved that year. And again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Giannis. Giannis is one of the best players in the NBA, arguably the best player in the NBA. But for him to disrespect Kevin Durant like this, I think it's definitely, definitely crazy. And I know Kevin Durant is going to use this for bulletin board material. And I would love to see Kevin Durant and Giannis face off against each other in the NBA Finals if the Suns and Bucks can make it. Now, I think the Celtics are going to win the East. But if somehow the Bucks are able to upset the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Suns can outlast the Nuggets or, or, or even the Clippers or the Warriors, I would love to see Kevin Durant and Giannis face off against each other again. This time would be in the NBA Finals. I would love to see it because Giannis, him coming at Kevin Durant the way that he's coming at him is disrespectful. And again, before Drew Holiday was in Milwaukee, Giannis had countless times in the NBA playoffs where he came up short. Countless, countless times where he wasn't able to get it done because he cannot hit perimeter shots consistently. He can't do it. And there are things that Giannis does better than Kevin Durant. Like Giannis is a better rim protector than Kevin Durant is. Giannis is more athletic than Kevin Durant 
is Giannis is better in the interior than Kevin Durant is. He's a more dominant player than Kevin Durant is. But Kevin Durant is more of a finesse player than a dominant player. And Kevin Durant is better at shooting perimeter shots than Giannis is. Kevin Durant is better at shooting mid-range shots than Giannis is. And Kevin Durant is by far a better free throw shooter than Giannis is. Kevin Durant is all around a better scorer than Giannis is. But you can make an argument that Giannis is more of a dominant player than KD is. So both players have their strengths and their weaknesses. But Giannis is coming at Kevin Durant like Kevin Durant is Devin Booker or Jason Tatum or John Morant. No, Kevin Durant is a proven NBA all-time great. Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the NBA and one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. I know he gets a lot of criticism because he went to Golden State, but while he was in Golden State, even playing alongside the great Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant was the best player on those Warriors championship teams. He was the best player on those teams by far, by far. Yes, Steph was the Dwayne Wade of those Warriors teams. Remember when LeBron went to Miami? LeBron was the best player on those Miami Heat teams. But Dwayne Wade was the player that grew up with that Miami Heat organization. And he was drafted by the Miami Heat. And so they always were going to give Dwayne Wade more love in South Beach than they were going to give LeBron. And the same thing in Golden State. The Warrior fans were always going to love Steph more than Kevin Durant because Steph is one of their own. Steph was drafted by the Warriors. Steph came into the NBA and developed as a family man and a husband in Golden State. So they were always going to give Steph more love than they were going to give Kevin Durant. And I think Kevin Durant struggled with that. I think when he went to Golden State and he won those two NBA Finals MVPs, I think Kevin Durant wanted the love and the admiration that Steph received from Warriors fans, and it was never going to happen. It was never going to happen in Golden State. They were never going to love Kevin Durant the way that they love Steph. Just like LeBron wasn't going to get that love in Miami. They were never going to love LeBron the way that they love Dwayne Wade. Never. And again, I think Kevin Durant, despite all the criticism that he got for going to go to state, I think he proved that he's the best player on those teams. And Kevin Durant just wants to hoop. He wants to hoop. He doesn't care about like being a leader. And that's why I think his role with the Suns is, is a great role. In his first game with the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant had 23 points, six rebounds. Devin Booker stole the show, though. 37 points, six rebounds, seven assists. I thought Kevin Durant, he fit in perfectly with the Suns. Because on this Suns team, he doesn't have to be the leader on the Suns basketball team. That's Chris Paul. They also have tremendous leadership 
from Monty Williams, their head coach. So Kevin Durant can step in and he can just play basketball. He can just play basketball when he comes to the arena. He doesn't have to monitor what other players on his team are doing. The same way that he had to do in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, he didn't want he, in Brooklyn. He had, he was supposed to lead that basketball team because they had Kyrie Irving, and he didn't want to have that responsibility. He wanted Kyrie to be his own man, be his own person. Kevin Durant wanted to just hoop. That's all he cared about. Time and time again, the media tried to 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 turn Kevin Durant against Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant always had the perfect response. He always allowed Kyrie Irving to be his own man. And I think that's why Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will always be friends off the floor. He never judged him for being himself. And again, in Phoenix now, because he's going to be able to just play basketball and hoop, I think we're going to get an even better version of Kevin Durant in Phoenix compared to what we got in Brooklyn. The same way he was able to just come to the gym every day and hoop, in Golden State, he's going to have that opportunity with the Phoenix Suns as well. And that's the reason why I believe the Phoenix Suns are one of the favorites in the Western Conference to represent the West in the NBA Finals this year. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss. T. Higgins and the Bengals. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it here on the show. Let's transition Back to the NFL, and let's talk about T. Higgins as Duke Tobin has some interesting comments on the Bengals not being interested in trading T. Higgins. Take a listen. I'm in the business of making the Cincinnati Bengals better, and so trading T. Higgins is not on my mind. That's their problem. They want a receiver. Go find your own. You know, in, in my, my opinion, you know, T. Higgins is a good piece for the Cincinnati Bengals, so the trade stuff is a little ridiculous right now. That was Duke Tobin on the Bengals not being interested in trading T. Higgins, and honestly, I agree with Duke Tobin, 110%. If I am the Cincinnati Bengals, I am doing everything I possibly can to hold on to the great, and I don't throw around that word often, great T. Higgins. You look at what T. Higgins has been able to do since he's been in the NFL. So far in his career, the man has 215 receptions, 3,000. 28 receiving yards, 19 touchdowns so far 
in the three years of his young career. When I think about the best number two receivers in the NFL, I believe that T. Higgins should be at the top of that list. I don't think that there's a better number two receiver in the NFL. I love Jalen Waddle in Miami. I love I love Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle is a great, great receiver in that system in Miami. But given T. Higgins' age and how young he is and how he compliments Jamar Chase, I don't believe you're going to find a better second receiver in the NFL. Adam Thielen is in Minnesota with the Vikings. I love Adam Thielen, but I'm taking T. Higgins over Adam Thielen. Gabriel Davis in Buffalo alongside Stephon Diggs. I love Gabe Davis, but Gabe Davis is not better than T. Higgins. If I am Duke Tobin, if I am Zach Taylor, if I'm Mike Brown, I'm doing everything I possibly can to keep Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins together. And if I have to let go of Tyler Boyd, who I believe is going to be the odd man out, and I love Tyler Boyd because I believe in the AFC Championship game, once the Bengals lost Tyler Boyd, I believe that's when they were struggling to make plays in the passing game because the Chiefs' defense, they doubled Jamar Chase and they doubled T. Higgins. So when you if you double Higgins and you double Chase, Boyd is going to win his one-on-one matchup in the slot nine times out of ten. So I thought them losing Tyler Boyd and his impact really, really hurt the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. But honestly, out of all the players on the Bengals' offense, and I think they offensively, they're loaded. In the backfield, you got Joe Mixon. You got P. Ryan. At receiver, you got Tyler Boyd. You got Jamar Chase. You got T. Higgins. And then at tight end, you got Hayden Hurst. I think that T. Higgins... Honestly, his value is up there with Jamar Chase value. Seriously, that's how good I think T. Higgins is. Now, again, I think Jamar Chase is the best receiver on the Bengals, but I don't think that T. Higgins is far behind. And I think that if T. Higgins was in Green Bay, if T. Higgins was in Indianapolis with the Colts, if T. Higgins was on a lot of other teams in the NFL, I think T. Higgins would be a number one receiver on that particular team. That's how great I believe T. Higgins is. I love T. Higgins in Green Bay. I make, make no, Listen, I will never apologize for wanting the services of T. Higgins. I talk to my cousin about this all the time. E, let's just say the Packers bring back Aaron Rodgers. I would love T. Higgins with Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I would love it. That's how great I believe T. Higgins is. And then, whew, ugh, the, the pain. A few weeks ago, there was reports about how, and he even acknowledged this in an interview, T. Higgins acknowledged that he thought he was going to Green Bay when he was drafted. He had prepared to be drafted by the Green Bay Packers, and they, tra- they drafted Jordan Love instead of T. Higgins. Like, it's so painful to think about. Could you imagine T. Higgins with Devontae Adams? Because Devontae was still in Green Bay at the time. Could you imagine him in Green Bay with Devontae? Oh, my goodness. That one-two punch at receiver 
would be arguably the best in the NFL. T. Higgins is the real deal. And again, I know Joe Burrow is going to get paid soon. I know Jamar Chase wants his money. But if there's a way where you can keep T. Higgins with Joe Burrow and with Jamar Chase, I think the Cincinnati Bengals have to do everything that they possibly can to keep T. Higgins on this roster. I believe that, honestly, he's untouchable if I'm the Bengals. There's no way in hell I'm trading T. Higgins. No way in hell. We're we going to have to figure this out. If I have to let, even if you have to sacrifice Joe Mixon or P. Ryan, I'm keeping T. Higgins. Because we know in the NFL, you have to have elite talent at receiver to win. Look at what, look in the Super Bowl this year. The Chiefs won because they have Patrick Mahomes. So that's an outlier. But the Eagles, they got A.J. Brown. They got Devontae Smith. Look at the 49ers who made the NFC Championship game. They have Brandon Ayuk. They have Debo Samuel. So if you want to be an elite football team, you have to have elite receivers. And the Bengals have that in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. I'm doing everything I possibly can to keep T. Higgins. I, I believe that he's untouchable. For, seriously, he is untouchable. And I think that his value on his football team is significant. And if I'm the Bengals, I'm not going to let him go. I'm not going to let him go. I love, I love Joey B. I think Joe Burrow is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Jamar Chase is a top five receiver in the NFL. And I think T. Higgins could be easily a number one receiver on another team. If it wasn't for Jamar Chase being on the Bengals, I think T. Higgins would be the number one receiver on their team. And he's different than Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is great in the open field, and he's great with his speed. T. Higgins is the opposite. He's not the fastest. But T. Higgins can go up and catch the football at its highest point. He's a tremendous red zone threat in this Bengals offense. I love him as a red zone target because I think he can go up at, the, at his highest point and grab the football. That's something that Jamar Chase is not great at. He's decent at it, but T. Higgins, that's his strength. Jamar Chase's strength is his speed, and he puts fear in opposing defenders with his speed. But T. Higgins is, is strong. He's a big body. And again, his ability to go up and catch the ball at his highest point is something that not all receivers can do. They all cannot do that. You look at T. Higgins, he's 6'4, 219 pounds, played in Clemson. So he made some big plays even at the University of Clemson. I love him as a prospect and I love him as a young receiver in the NFL. And if, I, if I'm the Bengals, I'm not letting him go. Even if I have to sacrifice even some guys on defense and Joe Mixon or Sam Piron, I am not letting go T. Higgins. It's just not going to happen. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be back on Monday. And I'm going to discuss Daniel Jones and the New York Giants and get into other topics as well. Again, everybody go and watch Creed 3 tonight. Excited to see Michael B. Jordan in action. Everyone have a great weekend. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.